whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Underground. Welcome to the BSEA Whiskey Underground. We're here tonight in the secret speakeasy to relax and enjoy one of the finest man-made creations on earth, whiskey. Brant. What's happening? Scott, how's it going? Good, man. We got a, we got a fun show planned tonight. Something, something interesting, something new that's come out in the past year. And to introduce our guest to help taste this whiskey, Matt Holmes. Hey, how's it going, everybody? We had you back down. We had so yes. much fun last time. We figured you need to stay down here and uh, drink some more whis- whiskey with us. It's a great atmosphere. Thanks for having me back. It's a lot of fun down here. And and Jeeves is much nicer in person than he is on the show. <laughs> he gives oh, yeah. me that side eye every once in a while. Like, you, I don't know that you belong here. Well, you did bring in a whole bottle of whiskey, and he's probably like, uh, that's my job. <laughs> so tonight, we have something that came out in the last year. Uncle Nearest 1856 Premium Whiskey. Have, have you guys ever tried this yet? I have, I have not. not. This no. would be uh, my first time, but I have heard a lot about this. This is like causing quite quite the, the stir. It is. It is getting lots of lots of press. Uh, they actually took out a Super Bowl ad last year to introduce this. Now, really? uh, I'll get into the backstory of this. Now, Uncle Nearest was uh, an actual person. Back in the back in the early 1800s, he was the first African African American master distiller on record, and he actually is is the founding father of Tennessee whiskey. He taught Jack Daniels how to charcoal mellow whiskey, and so much so that Jack Daniels actually brought him on to be the master master distiller when Jack Daniels was first starting out. So what they did was they would take this. Um, sugar maple and they would chop it up burn it and they would slowly water it so it was kind of like to the point of being on fire but not like heavily burning and then take all this char put it in a barrel put a uh, a uh, what was it, linen cloth or like a, a cotton cloth at the bottom of it so it was kind of like a filter and then pour the whiskey into it to help filter this through that and then pour that back into the barrel. Would that be like uh, filtering through a cheesecloth, something like that? Yeah, basically, with, filled with filled with a shit ton of charcoal. <clears throat> um, so Uncle Nearest has kind of come back to, into the limelight, and to help do that was actually uh, Jeffrey Wright, who stars <laughs> in the new James Bond series as Felix Leiter, CIA agent. He's the not only the celebrity spokesperson, but he's actually got a stake in this in this uh, company. Um, Corsair Distillery is the name of it. So that's what I was curious. Who's distributing this? Yeah, Corsair is the distillery. Distrib- distribution is um, by Uncle Nearest. This is actually their own brand, and it's all distilled and aged in Tennessee. So this is not. Uh, an MGP product that they said, okay, let's recreate this. This is actually them doing it themselves. So I, so I applaud them for not taking a story and fabricating the whiskey to go to that story. Actually taking what they did to have some real Tennessee whiskey. Hmm. Now their claim is, on the bottle, it says smoothest whiskey in Tennessee. That's high claim right there. That is. That is definitely high claim. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and pour some of this out. Um, while we do that, our bond category for tonight will be, because obviously Jeffrey Wright is the celebrity spokesperson who plays Felix Leiter, we're going to talk about some of the henchmen slash sidekicks. So whether they be 
a, a, a good sidekick or a bad sidekick? A good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> but we're going to talk about the sidekicks of James Bond, whether they're good or bad, and our top five that we could uh, we could come up with. Uh, lots of sidekicks throughout the, uh, the series. Everyone from Knick-Knack to uh, uh, <laughs> Felix Leiter. Knick-Knack to we'll, we'll go through all, We'll go through our top five as we drink this whiskey. But first, let's do what we do best and get into the whiskey. Wow. Right off the nose, I got a lot... I, that's a lot of wood. I got a lot of wood right off the bat. Oh, there's definitely wood in there, but it's to me it, it's really brown sugary. This one is really. See, I'm not getting a whole. I'm not getting a lot of sweet. Oh, I get. Well, it's not sweet. It's more like that dark brown sugar, like really dark brown sugar. So, so, so molasses. Yeah, molasses. Man. Still vanilla. Lots of vanilla on that nose. See this? I, I gotta know what the um, the mash bill is on this. Because this is... To me, this is... Earthy and... Yeah. Like... Let me see if I can find gra- it. Kind of grassy. But it still okay. does have it still does have some of that sweetness, and I mean, Matt, I definitely got you. Definitely can taste some, like you know, smell some charred oak and. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was that, like, no, like you said, that grassy kind of ghetto. Yeah, that's right there. So it says this is a blend of whiskeys between eight and fourteen years old. So Scott, I mean, this can't be all their product at fourteen years old, huh? Uh, according to them, it's all from their, everything's from their Tennessee farm, and everything Source. is distilled by them. It's, um, I see that it's, it's sourced from two unnamed distill, distilleries. Hmm. You're right, it might be from other distilleries, because it only says distilled and aged in Tennessee. Well, it's distilled and aged in Tennessee from two unnamed distilleries. I'm pretty positive that, I can name the two distilleries. <laughs> I bet you I can name the same two. <laughs> the uh, the only two. It's got to be Dickel. And it's got to be Jack Daniels. Yeah. It does. It's got to be Dickel and Daniels. Daniel, I mean Jack Daniels doesn't uh, that I Jack Daniels doesn't sell that much that I know of. But for something like this that that kind of holds heritage with Jack Daniels, maybe. Maybe they did give up some some product for to contribute to this since it's kind of so, in their heritage. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they did. According to Uncle Nearest, now this the mash bill is ninety percent corn and rye. So corn and rye make up ninety percent of it, and the rest is kind of un uh, unknown. But what they did say is they did uh, they did actually malt corn, so they used malted corn. Which is a, a highly hmm. unusual process. Interesting. Because normally you don't malt the corn. What is, what's the process of malting a grain? Well, essentially you add water to it, warm water to it, to fake it into growing. And then it germinates a little bit. And then you halt that process by drying it out, what they do with barley, and then you grind it up. And it gives it a smooth... It's supposed to give it a smoother taste to it. That's why okay. barley's They do it in barley with scotch because it gives it a nice smooth uh, flavor. Well, the, the malting process, too, is what leads what leads to ferment. It has to be... Start ferment, the germination yeah. process to, to be able to ferment and, Normally make, and make, make alcohol. So if you, you have non-malted barley, then you have to add enzymes... To, cre- to, to create, yeah. to, to start the fermenting process. Um, so, I wonder if, I mean, if, it, if it's malted corn, is there, you said there is barley in the mash bill? No, it, it doesn't say. It's 90% corn and rye with the <coughs> remainder being, uh, some of the remainder being malted corn. There's probably some barley in there, too. Okay. But, yeah. Um, interesting nose. I do get a lot of molasses sweetness. Grain. 
Yeah, there's there's an earthy grain to it. See, I'm still not getting any kind of sweet at all on the nose. Turn it, so, turn your turn your glass a little sideways like this. So, I, Matt, I, more I smell it, Matt, I do get that kind of a, get a burnt oak, woody, yeah, yeah. charcoal. But Matt, like if you charcoal. can, like you can blow in the glass. I've, I've blow been, I've been trying to do that to get because it does have that strong, you know, burning your nose hairs ethanol. It is fifty percent alcohol by volume. It's, <laughs> it's one hundred proof, not bottled in bond though, which, again. Hmm. Would have have to be from one distiller, so yeah, it definitely is. It definitely got to be sourced. It's saying sourced from numerous undisclosed distilleries, but <laughs> that's uh, that's some shady shit right there. Well, <laughs> well, that's any yeah, any, new, any startup is gonna have to source whiskey. I mean, yeah, unless you just got somebody that's laying money down for four. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing. Laying money down to make bourbon for four years without any income—that's some some that's cojo- hard. some cojones. Yeah, hoping that it's going to be good enough to actually sell yeah. and lose four years of profit. Yeah. All right, so Brent, what do you think on the nose? Um, I mean, nose, like I said, grain, grain, kind of just fresh grain, grassy, a little citrus, and then I, I definitely have. Some of the, some of the oak, but I do get some classic American whiskey. You know, I do get a little bit of like that vanilla and, um, I mean, some yeah. bar, some kind of barley citrus, kind of juicy barley citrus to it. But it's actually the more I dig into this, the more complex I feel like it it is. Yeah, it's it's a pretty complex whiskey. I, I do get I don't and I don't know why. Maybe it's the charcoal filtering, the mellow filtering. But I get like rich molasses on the nose. I I definitely get the grass, the maple wood, the, the charred barrel, it's all there. But <coughs> molasses was the first thing I got. Hmm. And a little bit of baking spices, just a tiny bit of Yeah, nutmeg. I was gonna say there's like a little some herbal something. Yeah, usually that that herbal note in bourbon is like a nutmeg flavor. And all you need to do is, again, tasting bourbon is remembering things that you've tasted or you've smelt in the past. Go into your cupboard, smell some nutmeg, and smell bourbon, and you'll you'll find out where that comes from. All right, so let's dig in. I do like that a lot. That's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that, that... Kind of hits you right out at the front. That kinda, is kind of uh, sticks uh, sticks with me on the on the very front of my tongue. It sticks right there. Yeah, that is unbelievably smooth. That's pretty good. It's pretty rich. Fifty percent. It's definitely got a good mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. That creaminess from the uh, the malted corn definitely shines here. Brent, what do you think? So I do like that the... I'm going to take another sip, but I do like that I feel like some of that grain and citrus kind of pulls through from the nose onto the, the palate. It's pretty sweet on the palate. And, it, you know, it's got a pretty heavy mouthfeel. So as I take the second bite, second bite, second sip, it's definitely grainy, and it definitely reminds me of a malt, like of malted... Like juicy malty barley, it kind of has. Yeah. I, I'm just curious to know the blend because I feel like this has got some American single malt. It's because it's got that, like you know how Stranahan's and Wesleyan they just have that round malt. I mean, what's that? I mean, there's a there's a big flavor in there. There's, it's almost like a creme brulee. Like you get this creamy vanilla, caramel, apple flavor, and a little bit of like dusty hay. It's weird. It's it's got a it's got a a nice combination of, of American malt, which there's got to be some barley in here, versus classic bourbon. 
It's, it's got all the sweetness of classic bourbon with a little bit of that, like, dustiness of, of Western, like, Westland, um, Westland, Wyoming, and Stranahan's, those malted uh, American whiskeys. Yeah, and it's got, I mean, it's got a pretty heavy mouthfeel. It's pretty interesting. New chart American Oak fifty one. Yeah, that's heavy. That like I said, it, it does stick with you. Yeah, it's a very heavy mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah, it definitely doesn't it doesn't I can't find anywhere that tells you what the what the flavor profile is, but um I mean definitely vanilla, a little bit of spice. Um Yeah, there's a little bit of that spicy oak at the end. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna like add a little drop the of water and see if it the end of the palate. Yeah, up. I think I'm gonna try that too. I, I don't think I've ever done that yet with this one. Just a little bit. Bring it down to like 48 mm-hmm. percent. So Scott, you've had this one before today. Yes. So it's crazy. I really what's crazy this one. is a hundred proof. Put it on the palate. Put it on the front of your mouth, and kind of taste it. And I get big bowl flavors, and I expect the second I bring it to the back of my mouth, like I'm going to get that throat burning at 100 proof, and there's zilch. Like there's n- no burn. Not whatsoever. even, not even the slightest <laughs> burn. All right, the water. I really like it with the water. It opens up a little more nuances. Um, sandalwood. Like that that uh, dried out wood, that musky smell that you get. Like, think of you walking in the Polynesian, you get that sandalwood fragrance. Okay. That on the palate to the finish, it just, man. And it and it doesn't hurt that I that my shaving cream is sandalwood scented, <laughs> so I know <laughs> yeah, that I know that smell really yeah, well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that up on sandalwood, but, um. Maybe out of a candle, <clears throat> but I, I can't. It, it's not. It's not one that I am very familiar with. I just keep hitting back to it's gotta have heavy barley because I mean it's, it's I got get the, to. I get the corn sweetness, the grain, but I, I'm just getting that fresh, <laughs> fresh cut grass and like. Oh yeah, no, there's and, definitely and, fresh cut grass. And citrus. It's got a, it's got a nice mix of scotch. With bourbon. This is really good. This is pretty good. And then finish. Well, let's hold off on the finish. Let's let's talk about our, our, our top five um, henchmen while we drink the rest of this. Because, I mean, I could I could literally sit here and drink this all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really I really like this one. But let's uh, let's Matt. Why don't you start us off with your your number five. We'll go five to one. Your number five, either henchman or sidekick. All right, so I'm going to go with my number five, head of MI6 Station T in Istanbul. This is Karambe. He's got this, I don't know if you if, if you call her a concubine or whoever, but she she's on the, on the bed waiting for him to get finished with his work and he gets ready to walk over there, and he says, "Oh, back to the salt mines." Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like it's a struggle for him to to uh, have relations with this woman. And then he has this secret passage underneath the the city, and he goes and he he spies on. He's got the little telescope that he raises up, and he spies on the the the, 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 the Russians. The Russians. Yeah. He takes him out to takes James out to the. The gypsy camp shows him a good time with a with a couple of gypsy women who are fighting, and then they start fighting over Bond. <laughs> I love how James Bond goes to the gypsy camp in like a three piece Glen plaid suit. <laughs> Everybody else is in there. Yeah, their normal day wear, and all hell breaks loose, and he gets saved by uh, the bad guy come to find out 
But yeah, yeah Karambe. Who have all of his all of his sons are his trusted advisors and, and helpers because, you know, blood is thicker than well, water. Well, of course. Yeah, uh, Car- uh, Carambe, played by Pedro Armanderes. Yes, he was a Mexican mm-hmm. actor playing a uh, Turkish, uh, <laughs> Turkish uh, head of the uh, the MI6. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Brent. What about you? You're number five. So once again, not a, not a ton of old school stuff for me, but I do remember a few. Um, but one I remember was from Piers Brosnan. Oh, I think we're gonna have the same era, number five. Era, um, and he—it's in the. I can't remember the fuck they were at, but he detonates the bomb by the diamonds, and it the, like they shatter and fly oh, okay. into the dudes. To Zhao, 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 yeah, Zhao, yeah, face, and he's got like these diamonds embedded in his in his uh, in yes. his face, yeah. and that's another one. I just remember that scene from <laughs> from that dude having. I don't know, was he a? But he was a. Was he a villain or just was he? Yeah, he was. The, he was the. No, he was he, the henchman of the villain. He was yeah. uh, he, Gustav yes. Graves' best friend slash. Yeah. Um, he was actually a secret agent for North Korea. Yeah, yeah, that's that's deep right there. <laughs> that's a deep pull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. I but you know I remember, I, honestly, I remember that scene with the dude getting the diamonds blown into his face. Honestly, mm-hmm. between the two villains of that film, uh, uh, Ten Sun Moon, Colonel Ten Sun Moon, who later became Gustav Graves, uh, and Zhao, I preferred. Zhao over Graves. I just thought Graves was not a great villain. He was a good bad guy, as like he was. He had he had a, he had a plan. He had the master plan. Yeah, but he wasn't the guy that you know did all the work. Yeah, and then also just in spectacular mu- movie magic, like how did not one of these find this dude's eyeball? Like an eyeball, like no eyeball was harmed <laughs> yeah. in this explosion, right? right? Like well, I got, just... I gotta ask, why can't they get them out? I mean, seriously, why can't they get the diamonds out? They seem. I mean, look, you. If it was my wife and you had that many diamonds buried in your face, we're getting <laughs> yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Again, they're coming the out. Problem. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he liked the look of it. And it gave him character. Yeah. This is the problem I have with. Uh, die another day it is Roger Moore style campiness in 2000 uh, what was that oh. 2000, uh, 2002 yeah yes. 2002 it was oh, bad gosh. bad movie yes that was bad fun fun to watch fun to kind of reminisce of what the what 2000 was like I hate 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 the theme song that was uh, the Madonna right yeah, because she was actually in the movie. That's probably part yeah. of it. she. She contracted for that and said, "I'm going to do this theme, and I'm going to be in the movie. You can't stop me." Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I'm going to stick with my number five. The, with we're going to go to the Pierce Brosnan films as well. I thought you were going to go here, Brant. Valentin Zakowski. I'm going to go with an ally on this one. Oh yes, I love Zakowski. He's portrayed by Robbie Coltrane, who is a great Scottish actor. He's in the Harry Potter films. I love this guy. He is a former ex KGB agent who literally tries to. He, he's he's got this bullet in his knee from James Bond, and has no issue with. Main- Wanting to kill him. Every time it rains. Wants to kill him, but guess what? Doesn't. And he actually ends up helping him out. Uh, By the way, I think that's on stage is Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, No, that's Mini Driver. Oh, Mini Driver. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. On stage is his his mistress. It's Mini Driver. Singing a terrible rendition of Stand By Your Man. Oh, God. It's so bad. With a bad bad. Russian accent, too. (laughs) Uh, Ultimately... He, ex- he actually ends up giving his life for mm-hmm. uh, James and he busts in on Sophie Marceau and pretends to shoot James Bond and she's like, he really did hate you. He, and shot, he actually his, si- shot his uh, the handcuff. Collar. Yeah, helping him out till the end. But whenever, whenever you, when you first see him and, and James 
cocks his gun next to his head, and he he could tell by the sound. Walter PPK. 7.65 millimeters. Only three men I know have used such a gun. I've killed two of them. <laughs> yeah. It's great, great agent. Great yeah. uh, great ally for, for Bond. All right, Matt, you're number four. Number four, uh, this, this is a character that has spanned a few films. You know, they, they, they reuse the same, it's not the same actor, obviously, but they reuse the same character, and it's Bill Tanner. Oh, yeah. Bill Tanner, yeah, he, you know, it's, it's, it's MI6 Chief of Staff. Um, he, he appears in multiple films. Um, Four different actors, actually. Yeah, he was played... The, the, <clears throat> the most recent is Roy Kinnear, who... I do like Roy Kinnear. Yeah, I like him playing opposite of Judy Dench, and now yeah. that he's... You know, now that he's with um, the, 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 the new Q, mm-hmm. and in Skyfall, whenever Bond tells him to send, send him a, a, a trail that only, only Silva could follow, and then the two of them, Tanner and, and Q, are working, and he's like, you know, what? And then M, the new M, is standing behind him, and then they're like, caught in oh, shock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like, Yep. Yeah, good. no, he's a, he's a good actor. I, I do like Rory Kinnear. Uh, he'll be actually he'll actually reprise his role as as uh, Bill Tanner in No Time to Die. So he'll stay with good. the film. Good. Actually, all the all of the cast is actually cast through this film. Don't know what's going to happen after that. Uh, Q is not contracted for any other films. Uh, is that right? Nor is nor is Rory Kinnear. So mm. hopefully it won't be too much of a shakeup. I would love to see. Daniel Craig come back, but he just celebrated his 52nd birthday. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be. I mean, he, he, Daniel Craig said after the last film that he was, what was He's he was going to, he was going to, he would rather take an eye to the, a, a stick to the eye or mm-hmm. something like that than to do another film. <laughs> I think he said slash his wrists. Slash his wrists. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is going to be the, the final. Yeah, this this will likely be the final. He'll yeah. he'll uh, he'll have five films. That's a respectable number of films. Uh, Go out on top. Is that more than anyone? No, no. Roger Moore had six. Well, do we like, really count? Never say never again. Well, that was that was Connery. Connery would have Connery. Oh, six. yeah, because he was too old to do that. Right. Connery would have six, but we don't count Never Say Never Again. <clears throat> All right, Brent, you're number four. So I'm going to pass at this point because I have a two left, but I have a feeling that they'll be much higher on you guys' list, so I'm going to just hang back. And if okay. not, I'll give them as an honorable mention. All right. All right, well, my number four then would be um, another, another uh, sidekick to James and another guy that gives his life. And that's Rene Mathis. I really like Rene Mathis' character in the new films in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. He's misjudged by Bond, and I think it's one of the, one of the few moments in the early part of the films where, where Bond doesn't know his character. He doesn't know his judge of character because he's new to the role. And he misjudges Mathis badly in, at the end of Casino Royale. Shoot, I, I think we all do at that point. Yes, we thought yeah. it was Mathis is the bad guy, and it turns out it was actually Vesper. Yeah. Right. And and then Ma- he, you know, Mathis <clears throat> redeems himself, and 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 really that scene, that scene of him and James on the flight to, uh, I think they're going to Venezuela or they're going to Colombia, and they're sitting at the bar, and he's like, you know, do you, do you, you need a pill? You want something to sleep? This is in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, in Quantum right. of Solace. And he really redeems himself as a friend Wait, in that film. Quantum of Solace where they meet back up at like the chateau that Mathis has yeah. to... Yes. Mathis right. has the chateau with, with his the, wife there. With his wife Hot. that I, I don't know if she's hot or trashy. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of both. You know, the best way to see that film, you watch it directly after Casino Royale. Yes. Because you watch them back to back. You watch them back to back because it literally picks up right after 
he shoots Mr. White. Yeah, whereas Skyfall picks up years after Quantum, and right. um, Spectre picks up right after Skyfall, mm-hmm. and then this one, the new film, No Time to Die, is going to pick up, I think, five years after okay. uh, Spectre. I'm about to watch Spectre before I... Oh yeah, yeah you got to watch well, Spectre. Before and then the when have I mean, you I've seen, seen Spectre yet? I've seen Spectre. Okay. I'm just saying, I mean, I need to watch the refresh. Like, I need a refresh. Yeah. Before yeah. go, I need well, to just whenever, I need to just buy the is... fucking the pack of all of these so I can just start. Because now I'll I'm Jones and to watch all the old shit. I'll be in Disney, um, the week leading up to the release. I plan on watching these day you know, four <laughs> days before the release. So six yeah. through the tenth, or really. Five through nine of April, I'm watching these movies at night sometime. I'm gonna sure. sit down in Disney, watch them on my iPad, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and lead up to this because I, I can't wait. Now, whenever right. whenever Mathis dies, and he like dumps him in a dump in the in that dumpster. Yep. And they're like that girl was like, you know, wasn't he your friend? And he he says, would want it this way. You know, he would want it this way. Yeah. And still, you you don't know. How I mean that's that's maybe maybe that's just me being in in the film. And that was not, like that that happened like in a like a alley streetway shootout. Yeah, kind of yeah. You know, you being in the film and you know maybe I don't existentially think about the overall you know storyline, but you know when you're in the film, you're like you know from Casino to Quantum, you're like man, I, you know, you don't know what side he's playing, and that's I, yeah yeah that's that's a good pick. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Matt, you're number three. You're number three. <clears throat> I'm going to go with, um, let me see my notes here if I have a exactly his title of who he is. I don't see it. He's the director of something. Uh, it's Tiger Tanaka. Oh, okay. Um, you only Join, live twice. Joining you right here on number three. All right. Yeah. He's the Japanese. He's the head of the Japanese Secret Service. That's okay. That's right. But and he's also got a ninja training academy. <laughs> I yes. Love that. Yes, and he's got a he's got a private underground, you know, subway train. Yes. And, and you know, and what I what I really like about Tiger is that it, it's not just a hench or it's not just a sidekick to like guide him along the way or or help him out for a little bit. <laughs> He actually takes part in the raid He's on a, the it's volcano. It's a pivotal role, yeah. Yeah, he actually it, takes out, like helps helps in defeating Blofeld, the head of Spectre at the time. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in. There's a when when they when they first get when they first meet. Essentially, he he introduces him to the girl, Chrissy, the one he en- he ends up marrying, right? Yes, Chrissy Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. And and then well and then and then Tiger and Bond they uh, take that like a bath or whatever. Yes. And uh, he, he he's like you know the, these Japanese women they really like a man with all this hair. Of course, Sean Connery wasn't going to shave any of his hair. Oh, he would wouldn't dare. Role. And then you know there was that one line that was very. <clears throat> he says in 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 Japan, women come second or something like that. Yeah. So it's like a little tongue in cheek. So, uh, little little backstory about Tiger. He was actually played by Japanese actor Tetsuro Tamba, but all of his lines were dubbed afterwards by Robert Rady, who was a uh, uh, Italian actor, Italian American actor, who would actually do the the voice for him. He was he would actually make a on-screen appearance as the Italian chief of police in Never Say Never Again. So, yeah. Okay. And yeah, my note, cool, my note cool said guy. that the character was based on, <coughs> excuse me, it was based on one of Ian Fleming's friends, uh, Toraro Saito. And he was not connected with the Secret Service, but was just a well-known uh, guy in Japan. And... So. and Honestly, a lot of Fleming's, uh, the, the characters in Fleming's novels were based on people that he knew, like James Bond. It was a combination of his brother and one of his friends. Uh, Brent, we're on to number two here. 
I'll tell you one of the ones that I remember parts of, but I more know this character from um, the the I guess portrayal or the um, parody in okay. Austin Powers. Oh. All right. Like okay. I feel like this character was famous, but he was more famous after it was parodied in Austin Powers as Random Task. You know, seriously, yeah. seriously, who throws a shoe? Um, <laughs> famous, famous line, but uh, but Odd Job, the original character, um, and that was in Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah, right. Goldfinger. Yeah, I mean the dude with the hat that would like break necks and like. Chop off, into, chop off yeah. the head of a concrete statue. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Break bricks and crack necks, breaking necks you know, and breaking necks and cashing checks. He was. A, and and the funny thing was, he never actually spoke in the movie. No, well, he he did on the golf course. He went. Oh yeah. Ah uh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Ah uh, uh. <laughs> When he, he found his ball, he, he's really strong, so he crushes that golf ball. You know, which yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. If you can crush a golf ball, dude, that's yeah. Whew. That's like what you have you ever seen those you know every once in a while like scans across on Facebook or something YouTube where like they have the steel press that like just crushes crap. Oh, I love watching those. David Letterman used to have that on his show. Yeah, where it would, like just it slowly presses and crushes yeah. something. Yeah. So Watch, uh, watching a golf ball get get smashed is pretty crazy feat. So. Odd, Odd Job was played by the Hawaiian um, Hawaiian wrestler slash actor uh, Harold Sakata. He actually was a pretty strong guy. He actually competed in the 1948 uh, Olympics in in uh, London and won a silver medal in weightlifting. Really? But yeah, he was a, he was a strong in, guy. In 48. So when, 48. when was when was Goldfinger? Was filmed in 63. Gold member. Goldfinger. <laughs> um, so, when they were filming, it's funny, funny story. When they were filming his death scene, uh, if you remember, he um, he goes to retrieve his bowler hat from the vault, right. which is like stuck into the metal bars. Yes. That, right. and, and James Bond electrocutes them. Yes. So he's holding on, and he actually burns his hand really, really bad holding onto this metal because. Somehow it got electrified and hot. Did they really electrify that that grate? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Burned his hand and held on until Guy Hamilton yelled, cut. Wouldn't let go. That's his hand is burning and he's like, I'm committed to this. I'm going to do it. <laughs> held on while his hand is like burning. <laughs> Who does that? And Guy Hamilton yells, cut. And he's like, oh. and he actually has to get uh, hospitalized for it and actually method, get uh, method actor right there. <laughs> yeah, skin grafts on it. Yeah, oh, pretty geez. pretty badass guy. I hope they picked up the hospital bill. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey. but Odd Job is definitely my number two. Funny, my number two are both bad guys. Because Odd Job is just the quintessential one of the Bond. one of the best bad guys. Oh yeah, but I feel like he's more famous because of. More people know who he is because of Random Task. <laughs> oh, definitely. Ra- I mean, both of them. I mean, literally, the character was based on. Well, it's yeah. the it's the exact same character, of course. Yeah. But like, I mean, whenever you see that, you're like, okay, this is a fucking obvious obvious play on. Yeah. Odd job. All right, uh, Matt. What's your number two? Number two is uh, the Cayman Islander living in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Coral. Yeah, Quirrell. Quirrell, that's uh, what what is he described as? Strong as a strong as a bear. As as whenever he grabs, he grabs uh, James. No, no, I'm sorry. That was that was no, the was... Uh, that was the bartender that grabbed yeah. James. But Quirrell was like, you know, he's he's not gonna let you go. Yeah, no, Quirrell was it was instrumental in that first film. Although yeah. he was scared of the dragon. He was scared of the dragon. Um, <laughs> let's see. He was played by... I don't know if I have his name here. Um, 
you know, I don't have his name. And it, it ha- I, the, he has a he had a son, Coral Junior. Yes. Which was that character was in um, Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Coral being the the essentially the first, you know, because that was from Doctor No. Being the first uh, guy to really help him out. Yeah, it was uh, John Kitzmiller. Was the uh, the actor? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Doctor No kind of sets the tone mm-hmm. for James Bond's, and James Bond films need to have someone to help him out. And Coral was the first guy to really help him out. All right, uh, Brent, you got a number one. I mean. The the I guess probably besides Odd Job the most recognizable Bond villain, Nick Mac. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know I left him off and I don't know why I do like him though. I mean, because I feel like he literally plays the same fucking character as oh, he does. Fan- as Fantasy Island, but a villain. Yeah. Uh, what? what is it? Uh, uh, What's his name? Louis Villachey? Yeah. What what I like about Nick Knack is he's there to help Scaramanga, and he's perfectly fine with that, but he also wants to kill Scaramanga because all of this is mine. Yeah, so he has, like, no... In the movie, he has... Which I started to watch while my wife was gone, but didn't didn't commit. But I watched, like, an extended, extended preview. But he, he has no... From what I remember, watching this way back in the day, no really allegiance, like you said, to to any to anybody. Like he has a boss, yeah, but, but he's willing to kill him. But the second, yeah, the second he can get away with not having a boss, he's it's just a guy he works for. Yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. He and cashes he's great, my check, he's but if great he's not to walk there, out with then... a platter with a Tabasco bottle. And every time I'm at a restaurant and there's a bottle of Tabasco, I will I will say. And of course, I don't say it very loud. My wife rolls her eyes, and I and I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll go knickknack, Tabasco, <laughs> and she just like rolls her eyes like oh, we go. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> Why was there right. Tabasco? Har- on the, Harvey Villachay—that's his name. Uh, because he uh, Scaramanga liked oysters, so he would have oysters uh, with Tabasco. With Tabasco. Yeah. Now it makes Love. sense. Love some oysters. All right, Matt, what's your number one? Number one is also going to be one of those that's played by several different actors, <clears throat> or in this case, actresses. It's okay. Miss Moneypenny. Oh, damn it. You know what? I didn't think of this one. Miss Moneypenny. Uh, portray, you know, the first Lewis Maxwell. She was, she was gorgeous. I mean, they're all gorgeous. Oh, they're all beautiful. Louis uh, Louis Maxwell, Barbara Boucher, Pamela Salem, Caroline Bliss, Samantha, Samantha Bond, Blonde, and the newest Naomi Harris. Uh, I think it is funny that yeah, that the Money Penny in the in the Brosnan series was Samantha Bond. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You couldn't cast that better. But but that was that one during the Brosnan era was just so full of that tongue in cheek, you know. Will they or won't they? But it's just that you know. There was she, more. She, she says, I think there was more tension. She 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 says you're gonna have to pump her for inform, for information. It's just up to you on how much pumping is necessary. It's like oh, I come think there's on. more there's more <laughs> sexual tension between Brosnan and Samantha Bond than yes. than even Lois Maxwell and anyone that she interacted with, either Roger Moore or Sean Connery. Yeah. Like there was one point in. Uh, world is not enough. He brings her a cigar, and it's clearly a nod to the Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Oh. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it it is so much sexual tension between those two at a time when sexual harassment and political correctness are run amok. Oh yes. And then of course the new uh, Naomi Harris. You know. When, oh, uh, I have such a crush on Naomi Harris. Where she she shaves him with a straight razor. And while she's doing that, he's trying to unbutton her blouse, and she's like, no way, this is the hard part. He does his chin. Oh, oh it's yeah. the hard part, all right. There's so much tension there. I I really, really like Naomi Harris as Eve Moneypenny. 
Yeah, yeah. big and fan that, of her. That that reveal where he's you know towards the end with like oh you know we haven't properly been introduced. Of course, at this point in the film, you don't know who she is. No, you know she essentially killed Bond, which you don't you, do, you don't know who that is. She's just another agent. Well, she gave it her best shot. <laughs> it's hardly her best. Yeah, no. Awesome that you thought of that because I I did not think of that. I'm glad we got to talk about that. So, uh, of of the the actresses, Brent, Matt, who's your favorite? My mine is the toss up between the original and the current. But you know we haven't seen Elma Harris in many more things. She is in the field more in Quantum of Solace. She's with M quite a bit. Yes. But then. You know, Lois Maxwell, she's always behind the desk. And it's always, you know, I, I guess there was the one octopusy. She was out in the field. A little bit. She comes out in the field once in a while, yeah. Lois Maxwell does. But for the most part, Naomi Harris was in the field for pretty much all of Skyfall. <clears throat> and a little bit of Spectre. She actually helps Bond a lot in Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, you know, that just, that just kind of solidifies her her role to M and it's kind of her backstory whereas in the in the first films Lois Maxwell she's already established and you don't really know about who it is other than the little, the sexual tension between the two but yeah now that's my toss up between the first and the current what about you Brant I mean the current just because it's Daniel Craig <laughs> Yeah, then you're correct. So I mean, I'm gonna go with Naomi. I mean, obviously Naomi Harris. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I could not remember Lois Maxwell if you to save my life. So if you see her, you would remember her. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and I mean, I, I guess, but I more remember Caroline Bliss. Oh, from the the Dalton ones. I mean, that, that looks more familiar to me. Definitely don't even remember the Samantha Bond. You know, what's funny is Caroline Bliss actually attended school with Samantha Bond. They went to the same school together. Well, son of a bitch. Yeah, I I, I really, I mean, I'm going to gush over uh, Naomi Harris, Eve Manypenny. Uh, when we went to London last year and, and our flight to to London, we get on British Airways and she's the, the video, she's like the oh, yeah. celebrity introducing your flight. Oh, yeah. Kind of kind of dig that. It was a nice little, it was a nice little, uh. James Bond nod there in the in the pre-safety flight video. So, yeah. All right. Uh, my number one, I, I, you know, it's weird. We didn't mention it. No one mentioned him. Jaws. Uh, Jaws is kill. a great henchman. Uh, he was in two films, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Mm-hmm. But he was just so classic. Like, he's the, the he's huge. He's, what, seven foot two? He's got steel teeth. He can bite through a, uh, a gondola cable. Uh, he's just a bad guy. Yes. And he, well, and then in Spy Who Loved Me, he chewed through that lock. Yeah. To get to the guy and bit his neck. Yep. It, it's just a great henchman that Bond is always trying to run away from, and he's just. He's like slowly stalking him and slowly getting to him. Yeah, that I mean, and then he he somehow f- survives the fight at Atlantis and then comes back in uh, in Moonraker and works for uh, Drax until Drax betrays him. First part of Moonraker, like the opening, the cold open, uh, wasn't he the one that tried to flap his arms? To fly yes. while he's and falling he, out of an airplane. He survives. Yeah. He survives a fall from like ten thousand feet <laughs> through a circus tent. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, great bad guy. Really like uh, yeah. Richard Kale. Well, and was, also, and that was when when I asked my wife when the the subject came up of of henchmen or. Side characters. That was what my wife said. He goes, she's like the guy with the teeth. The guy with the teeth. Everybody knows him. So yeah, uh, we did not talk about Felix Leiter, and it's kind of remiss not to talk about him. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, he was basically in, in the novels Bond's co, uh, you know, cohort in the CIA, who helped him out through pretty much at some point in every novel. Um, actually, in *Live and Let Die* early on in the uh, in the film or in the novels, I think actually novel number two. They go down to Louisiana, and he gets his hand bitten off by a crocodile. So yeah. Felix Leiter has a hook for almost all of the James Bond novels. Yeah, Brant, you really need to see. You really need to watch that one. Yeah, Scott's been on my ass to to watch it. Yeah, you would you would like that one. Yeah, you'll like it. There's a lot takes place down in Louisiana. Um, crocodile it, farms. Yeah, it's a, it's a good bayou, and and hey, you get Sheriff J W Pepper. Yeah. I'm sorry, alligator farms. It's, it's not crocodiles. So yeah, uh, Felix Leiter uh, portrayed by eight different actors. Yeah. Uh, obviously, my favorite's Jeffrey Wright. I really like Jeffrey Wright. I mean, Jack Lord was good. He was the first. Jeffrey Wright's my favorite. And then Jack Lord, you know, he's coming off of Hawaii Five O. Yeah, he is. You know, and you see him in that. And... Yeah, Jack Lord and Doctor No is really good. Um, Sec Linder in, in Goldfinger's also really good, but. My favorite is Jeffrey Wright, and he's been in uh, three of them. Yeah, three of them. He'll be in Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, No Time, and then to No die. Time to Die. He was absent the last two, but glad to see him back. Yeah, and he also was. Uh, who's the guy in Westworld that he, he played the main guy? Did y'all oh yeah, he's Westworld? in Westworld too. Yeah, Westworld. I definitely I, and I love his role in Casino. Oh you know, yeah, I mean that's my that, favorite Bond film of all time. Probably one of my favorite movies of all of all time. That moment when he reveals himself, he's and James James is like freaking out because like shit has not gone his way. He is he's pot broke. Well, he just he is, lost. Yeah, he just lost. He's ready to just <clears throat> literally stab Lashif, and Lighter comes up and he's like, "I'm sorry, I should have introduced myself since we're cousins." I'm, I'm a brother from Langley. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a great intro to who yeah. Felix Leiter really is supposed to be. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and of course, I've never read the novels, and I guess that you, if you had, you would have known who that is in the film. Yeah. But I didn't know who that was when it when it pulls up. You, know, you see that in the theater, and you're like, oh, cool, it's Felix Leiter. You know, yeah, and knowing that that Casino Royale was the first book that Ian Fleming wrote, and it is telling, it is starting off everybody's story. That that's, that's a good way to, to yeah. find out who that character is. Yeah, it's a, it's a good character. I like him. And especially Wright's character. Mm-hmm. So, Alright, guys. Uh, final thoughts on the Uncle Nears 1856 as we talk about Jeffrey Wright, who's the spokesperson for this whiskey. I really like it. Yeah, I'm... I mean, I'm, I'm. It's pretty awesome when you read this, when you read the story, and you know that this is a. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a 100% minority-owned. It is. Um, which is pretty cool. And um, they are really, really entrenched in raising this story. Um, well, because Uncle Nearest was, you know, a. Uh, older gentleman and he literally took a teenage Jack Daniels under his wing to teach him how to distill whiskey. So I think the story is, is he Jack Daniels was even like seven or eight. Like he was a runaway. Was he really? That yeah. young? Yeah. I, re- I read he was like a teenager. Like 13, I 14. He, I think he was like a runaway. Like I mean that wouldn't surprise me because it's 1850 something. 1840 yeah. something. Which is amazing because this is before the Civil War, before the Emancipation Proclamation, and this guy is literally teaching a white guy how to make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Who would later become one of the biggest selling brands of whiskey of all time. Right. So yeah, a great story. Really good whiskey to go along with it. Um, Brent, on the finish, what do you think? Um, so this one to me... Um, which I haven't had a sip in a second, so let me take a sip and then I'll I'll give you kind of my I wrote some notes down, but so this one has that kind of burst of oak at the finish. Yep. Um, it's smooth, not extremely long. I'm gonna say it's like short medium because 
to me, even just with that that sip at the beginning of me just speaking these last couple of lines, my mouth is already like reset. I'm ready for another another line. It's not lingering too long on there. Um, I get the oak, and then honestly, I think I I feel more corn sweetness on the finish than I do on the initial tongue. Yeah. Um, so I kind of get sweetness towards the end where it's that's kind of bass backwards for, um, but I, I like I said I just I wish I knew what the the mash bill mash. was on this because I feel like it's got a good bit of malted barley um, that's giving you all those flavors up front, but that corn is definitely still prevalent in the finish. In the I can see that sweetness of the finish. I can see that a lot. I I like this one because. <clears throat> To me, it's it's more medium. I, I think it's a little longer than, than Brant's going to give this credit for. It's very vanilla-driven through the finish. Like, I get a lot of vanilla and creme brulee. And the sweet corn, and then it leads out to that, um, that charred oak. You definitely get that charred oak, that charcoal finish on the back end, the Lincoln County process. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good finish. Matt, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I like the finish for sure. This is this is really tasty. I, I like this a lot. Um, it's dangerous. As, it's pretty dangerous. As a, I, I'm going to take the last little bit of what I wait, have well, here. Wait, oh, no, sorry. Don't take oh, well, it all. I'll, 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 I'll save. I'll save a bit. I'll save, save a, bit. a little but I, I for do, the toast. I do need to get. I need to need to get a little bit. It's a it's a good finish. See. I think that it it stays it stays with my tongue more in the front and along the sides it stays there and it does have that longer where I can still taste it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's and kinda... like I said, it's that it's that that buzzword of smooth. Yeah, very um, smooth. But yeah, it's it it's it's very drinkable. I don't know that this is something that I would reach for for a daily like a like an everyday drinker no because it's, it, 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 it's it more of that of hey i'm gonna uh, you know when somebody if somebody came over to say you know i'm, I'm gonna say hey, oh hey try this it, this it, is one of those yeah it, it will run you about 50 to 55 dollars per bottle so okay. it's a little more than a daily drinker would allow but again i mean if you compare this to um, Jack Daniels single barrel, both about the same price, mm-hmm. forty nine fifty bucks. They're both they're both pretty equal. I I would probably pick up this if you know, well one if I could ever find it around where I live. <laughs> I would probably uh, I would probably pick this up. It's Scott, a good it's a good one. Yeah. How many awards did this win in twenty nineteen? Guess. Oh gosh. It's probably got gold at San Francisco. Maybe not double. Maybe maybe double gold. Uh, let's go with in one year. In 2019. Uh, 14. Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey spent the entire year of 2019 quietly racking up top awards in spirit competitions and industry publications around the globe, including. 10 best in class and best in show and 25 platinum wow. double, double gold wow. and gold medals. So 35 awards. Wow. In 2019, platinum double gold and goals, best in class and best in show. It got a Murray's Whiskey Bible, which is like the really? the creme de the la Bible, creme. Yeah. The the 1820 single barrel, which you can't. I think that's we we don't have that. I don't know where that comes from. Got a 94.5, the highest score ever for a Tennessee whiskey by Murray's Whiskey Bible. So wow, that's impressive. Pretty freaking crazy. They they're doing some good stuff, and and I like what they've got going on. Hopefully, what they distill in the near future mirrors that because this is really, really good. Very good. Yes, yeah, pretty good. Score. All right, I like it. all right. So as we as we finish up, let's give a number on this. Brant, we'll start with you. Uh, what what would you call this one? Um, I'm giving this a 91. 
Yeah, it's so pretty up there. It's, it's pretty okay. Pretty solid for for me, just because I, I feel one. It, it's got it's got a little mystique, a little mystery. I don't know a ton about it. They don't show you everything behind the curtains. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know the exact blends. I don't know the mash bill. I can't really pick it out. The flavors are prominent, but man, I, I can't pick out every single thing about this. Um, and it, every taste tastes, every taste tastes more complex than the last one, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I guess I give it, give it kind of right over that ninety, that ninety hump. I don't know, Scott. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? I, I'm also giving this one a 91. I mean, this right here ranks up with the same ranking that I have at Jack Daniels Single Barrel Select. Again, a, a, a whiskey that is well-crafted. It is cared for. It's got so many subtle nuances. You can literally taste this for an hour and not pick out every flavor. Uh, to me, it's a 91. And right up there with the Jack Daniels as my highest. Um, oh, no. Actually... The highest Jack Daniels I have rated is the Single Barrel Barrel Proof, which you and I both loved. This ranks right up there with that one. Yeah, where did where did I put that at? Jack, oh, actually, look, I just actually turned to that page. So you gave that a 91, I gave that an 88. Well, randomly, I turned to that page in my book. So I even ranked this higher than that. You ranked it the same as Jack Single Barrel Barrel Proof. It's, it's really good, and I, I really appreciate what they're doing here. Great whiskey, good palette good finish good nose everything about this is really good if you can find this on the shelves definitely go out and buy it matt what do you think well with your in the 90s score it's kind of intimidating <laughs> i don't i don't i i don't don't be in my personal you know what i've had in the past i don't have anything think of it this way to would know you, to compare it to if, if you saw this on the shelf tomorrow would you grab this well after after the drinking it's not yes I would so you know you gave the makers 80 85 so so plus it X percent minus you know where would you rate it alongside what you tasted in better than the makers oh absolutely yeah absolutely um, and like I said I've, I don't know what else I could compare it to that I've taken this much uh, you know, detail to to really get in there and, and, and know the nose and the, and the taste and all that. Um, I, I just don't know of anything that I have or have had comes, comes I mean, I have, I have a, a, a little book, Chapter 2, that I haven't, I haven't tasted in a while. Oh, but, you got to taste that. You got you to gotta <laughs> compare all oh, those. Oh, I, I've, I've, got it in, I've got there. it in a case back here. <laughs> That's a special occasion thing. It is. But no, I, I I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with a high eighty, probably an eighty eight or eighty nine. Okay, it's respectable. That's and that means it's a good whiskey that you will go out and buy again. This is good. I would definitely get this if I could see it anywhere. Well, Matt, you have just taken your first steps into a larger world. <laughs> oh, and you. I want to thank you for coming on to the show to to taste this one because this is something that I I hope you can find because. I know I can find it on a regular basis. Unfortunately, it's going to stay in my collection every yeah. every day. It, it is it is unlikely that I will be able to ever find this where I am. <laughs> well, you know a guy. <laughs> I do. Well, look, I want to thank you, Matt, for coming back down to the Speakeasy. Uh, don't be a stranger. You'll definitely come back come back again. Uh, we enjoyed having you on the show. We enjoyed talking Bond with you. You're obviously a very very big Bond aficionado. Uh, it was. Good to talk. Uh, good to talk some James Bond. Good to drink some whiskey. Brant, it's been a lot of fun, man. It was awesome. This this whiskey, I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that it was this exceptional. Um, I mean, because look, let's be honest too. Um, we didn't really talk about this, but I mean, package and presentation on this bottle is not anything outstanding. It's not no, terrible. It's, it's, it's not it's terrible, similar. but it's pretty. I mean, yeah. it's pretty. It's simple. It's a it's a squared off bottle. It is. Um, it's, got a, it's got a what a waistband and a little you know yeah. black and gold kind of tag there. I mean, very understated. You know, um, if you saw it on the shelf, you probably wouldn't get riled up about it. But it's a pretty solid pour for sure. Yeah, I do like that on the on the neck. 
it has the Tennessee three stars in a circle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it's also on the uh, the cap here. Uh, really cool nod to Tennessee, and really great story behind it. Check out the story. They've got a video on Vimeo that you can check out uh, that's narrated by Jeffrey Wright. Awesome video. It will. It's filmed all in the hills of Tennessee. It will definitely move you to go find this whiskey. So... If you've got a bottle of Uncle Nearest 1856 or uh, the 1820 single barrel, by all means, share your thoughts on it, share your notes, share your review of it, because that's the best way to help others like you check out good whiskey and find good whiskey uh, over on the BSEA Facebook group. Just search on BSEA on the Facebook search bar. You'll find us there. Uh, It's really easy. We'll gladly let you in. We've had a ton of new members over the last month. Glad to welcome them, so uh, go go check out Uncle Nearest 1856. I agree. Do that. Like it. Like it. Like it. All right. So, guys, uh, long last the whiskey, long live the adventure. Brant. If you came here to learn. Drink what you've learned. If you came here to share. Share what you drink. If you came here a stranger. May you exit a friend. And if you came here for adventure. Drink, drink up. up. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. boys. Cheers, everyone, and good night.